the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com on the app as well. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. On the cloudy side today and a little sunshine poking through. Couple spots, 76 the high, nice day overall, kind of cloudy tonight, low 60. Tomorrow, a lot like today, mostly on the cloudy side. Sunshine uh, poking through here and there, 75 the high for tomorrow. Major League Baseball, Dodgers 8-3 over Tampa Bay last night in Game 1 of the World Series. Game 2 this evening at 8.08. Eagles home tomorrow night against the Giants at 8.20. Try and get in the winning side of things. And... I'm reminded by my friend David Waitman, who I used to cover Flyers games with. He posted on Facebook today, 40 years ago today. That's how I remembered. What was 40 years ago today? How about them Philadelphia Phillies winning the World Series? Four games to two after a 4-1 win over Kansas City. I was in the upper deck in right field as a 12-year-old with my dad. I can still remember having my arms up in the air for probably five or ten minutes. Exuberant as all get out that they had finally won. Especially as a 12-year-old, I was old enough to have followed the heartbreak of the Phillies being close, but not quite able to get the job done in the mid to late 70s, watching them lose to the Reds and the Dodgers. And finally, Tug McGraw striking out Willie Wilson... Mike Schmidt jumping into the arms of the pile of, uh, of the fills and Bob Boone walking out from behind plate with his hands to the sky. It was quite a day. And then out in the parking lot, the ride home, even though it was jammed, nobody cared. It was honking their horns for a long time. So what's happening? Oh, I forgot. Quite a memory. Love that. Love that. Um, thank you. To Sarah in Morton, Pennsylvania, and Lawrence in Philly, and Guillermo in Philly. I like saying Guillermo. They have all helped out recently in our partnership with Trans World Radio. We're looking to simply send radios to Africa. They're a special variety. Wind up. They don't require being plugged in. And of course, there's electricity in many places in Africa, but in some places there aren't. So this is a great way to provide the opportunity to listen to the radio and to hear the gospel message. We have worked with Trans World Radio many times before, often to help build a transmitter. This time it's the hardware we're looking at, putting in the hands of folks. And you can bet that whoever gets one of these radios, it's not going to just sit with that person. It's going to go far and wide. Showing it off, family, friends listening to it as well. $50 covers a cost of one. Without getting into heavy math, we're looking to hopefully do 56 radios a week for about a three-week window or so. We're partway through week two. And as of a little earlier today, we're around 30, I think it's 32 of the radios have been 
uh, put down put down so and accounted for so far with another about 130 to go. So if you want to help out, pick up the cost of one or two. Some people have done more. That's a wonderful thing. At 888-988-5656, 888-988-5656, or at WFIL.com. Thank you very much from everyone who's helped out so far. One last quick note. After every nine radios have been pledged and, and, and taken care of, we do have an anonymous donor willing to do the 10th. So in our march toward around 150, 160 radios, every 10th one is going to be accounted for by uh, this particular anonymous donor. So help out if you can and know that your gift will go even further in that regard. Looking forward to having a very special guest on our program in just a couple of minutes. Her name is Diane Latiker. She is a, a mom in Chicago who has quite a story. She has a book called Kids Off the Block. And we are giving that away on our website right now, one of many prizes in the contest page. The inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. Uh, I read this book. It's <laughs> It's got a lot in it. I mean, there's it's quite a story. And uh, we've been trying to coordinate schedules. And uh, so Diane and I are going to be chatting here in a couple of seconds. We have a quick break to take first, but uh, be listening for that. And also, enter to win a copy of the book. Well worth the read. Among other things, it will teach you to, be, you know, the whole phrase, grow where you're planted and really basically live, uh, love where you're living, right where you are. There's lots of opportunity right around you. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have, to have a huge, uh, you know, nonprofit status or huge organization, just a willingness to love. And uh, we'll chat with Diane about her story in a second. It's really quite a thing. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thank you for hanging out today. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL. Email D at WFIL.com. It's 410, the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. The book is called Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of One Woman's Quest to Protect Chicago's Most Vulnerable Youth. Author, and we're giving it away, by the way, again, on our website, WFL.com. Go to the contest and surveys page to get entered. We want to hear the story about this and at least touch on it as much as we can during our time together. Author and behind all this, really God is, but uh, in more ways than one. But uh, our guest today is Diane Latiker. Diane, how are you? Thanks for uh, for joining the program. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Tim? Great. Thank you for checking in. I'm excited. Yeah, well, we are too. Uh, the book Kids Off the Block that you've written, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. We've been giving that away on our website and continue to do so. Let's get into the story. There's lots to tell, uh, right? I mean, share share how things got rolling. Right. So what happened was um, my husband and I have eight kids of our own. And uh, we had one at home, Aisha. She was 13 years old, and she had nine friends, boys and girls, 13 to 15. And I wanted Aisha to graduate high school and go to college. And so I stuck with her. <laughs> I kind of bombarded her her circle so I could keep up with her by taking her and her friends out to skating and swimming and fishing and stuff. Yeah. And my mom saw it. My mom said, Diane, you should do something with those kids. They like and respect you. And like I tell everybody, I did not want to do that because I thought I would be free 
And at I'd that time of your life, right? That, 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 that you were kind of like, you <laughs> well, could see the finish line. <laughs> Ghost a little bit, maybe, kind of. Right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I, I prayed about it, like, for three days. And on that third day, um, you know, it was like God just spoke to me and said, just go out there. <laughs> just go talk to him. And so I did. I went out there and I talked to him and I brought, invited him into my living room and sat down with these kids that I thought I knew because they were my daughter's friends. Yeah. I didn't know them at all. And I listened to them. And the boys were telling me about the games and how they were trying to recruit them. And all of them were failing in school. And I'm saying to myself, oh, Lord, what can I do to help these kids? I don't have any degrees, money, nothing. And uh, I decided I, would, I could at least help them with homework. So I sold the family TV and got some used computers and printers and started helping with homework. And that's how it started. Next thing I know, I got kids knocking at the door that I didn't know. <laughs> saying, you the lady they say can help us. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's how it started. Dan uh, Latiker is our guest. The book is called Kids Off the Block. And before going further, there's two things. One is just the part about the personal side for you, how you were at a stage in your life where you weren't necessarily looking for you like the ministry that it's become was not something you had set out to do specifically. It really got something God brought to you, but you had to be willing, right, to to listen to your mom who had a little vision. You're like, Mom, what do you what do you have to do that for? Why do you, why are you yeah. bringing that up? I, I'm good with what I was thinking about already, but God was steering you. So you had to be willing to listen and be and just even though you had no specific blueprint, to be willing to say I'm going to follow. So I mean, there's that whole element because I think that can speak and be an encouragement to people in their everyday lives when maybe they're at a point where they think they know the next chapters that are coming, but maybe they have a little nudge going on that maybe they should be doing something else. So talk about what that was like to work through for you, to be willing to, to go off the path that you thought you were going to go at that point in your life, just from a, a willingness to submit to God's leading. Well, it, it, it's faith, right? Yeah. Things unseen. So I, I, I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what you had to do to help young people like that. Um, I had to be led by God. Diane Latica didn't want to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, in my in my own mind, I'm thinking, I don't have the credentials and the education and all that stuff to do all this stuff. And I don't know anything about programs and EIN numbers and stuff. And I'm, I'm talking myself out of it, but God <laughs> is steady saying, no, you're going to do this. And I tell everybody, push me into it. Thank thank God he did, yeah. but he pushed me into it. He 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 he. Every time I would try to close a door or quit, he would send a kid in hmm. who would just need my help, you know. And so I had to follow that. Yeah, and that's the other part of it. Uh, you mentioned that first initial, and this kind of piggybacks off of that. As I read the book, just kind of this ongoing willingness to say, I don't really know what the next answer is. I just have to do something, move forward. You even had that in the book, Save a Teen, Do Something. And that theme comes through the book a lot. But describe, if you would, that first that, that first day where you're taking God's prompting and you're really like, all right, I'm going outside. I'm going to say hi to my daughter and her friends who are playing tag, I think you said, in the street because yes. you felt God's prompting to reach out to them. And, and if I remember correctly, even when you were like, you called them over, they came over and like, hi, Mrs. Latiker. And you're like, 
and, and like they were there like what do what do you want us here for and what we already know you we're doing fine and then they like kind of like let's go back to playing but instead you called them in the living room and they were there for hours sharing really heartbreaking stuff oh yes yes they were they were telling me stories like i said i thought i knew them i had no idea and when i called them over to me i had no idea what i was going to say to them it actually came from god i believe because the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they all started jumping up and down like little kids. Mm. You know, they want to be doctors and lawyers, singers and rappers and all kind of stuff. And I said, well, would you just come and sit down and talk to me? Will you, you mad coming in my living room? And they're like, Miss Diane, we always come talk to you. We always come see you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, can you just, you know, can you, will you come in the house? If I invite you in, and they did, and um, they just started telling me everything. Yeah, the the kids yeah. were real in that in that chapter. I remember reading early on they had big problems, but that God's power is bigger and and made perfect in weakness. And you had a willingness to follow that call despite the uncertainty. And I think a key important part. And whenever I interview someone, I like to try and also have something applicable, bigger than just your story, but to encourage people, you were willing to listen and just do a lot of listening and probably had to bite your lip a lot of times too with some of the stuff the kids were saying or how they were acting or let some stuff go, right? So. Oh, I did. I I, I, I didn't want to be, I am nobody's judge. And I didn't, I don't, I'm like that to this day. I will not judge young people. I want them to come as they are. And that's what those kids did. They sat down and they talked to me and they told me stuff that had us all crying. And at the end of it, we all prayed because we were crying. These stories that they had. And uh, I knew in my, in my heart, I said, I can't judge these kids. Their stories are real to them. The only thing I can do is ask, how can I help? Yeah. And that's what I did. Diane Latiker is our guest. The book is called Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. I bring it up. I've already mentioned it, but I mention it again that this is not something you set out to do. Or A lot of times people have a heart for something. Let's open up a home for girls. Let's do a pregnancy center. Let's do That's all great. This is much more about you listening to God's whispering in your ear, and maybe it came through your mom or other people, little things. Yeah. But a lot of the story really is like what's next and stuff is coming to you. You're not even looking to do something. It's more like, uh, I mean, you mentioned 10 kids in the living room that first day or 15 and it grew to 75 within a few months. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> move the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Well, actually, wow. We, we, my husband threatened to divorce me a lot of times. Yeah. For one, I had sold his, when he would come home from work, the main thing he would do is, take his bath, get in his lazy boy, and watch that big TV. Yeah. And so I, I just kept looking at that TV. That was the only way we were going to get some computers. I saw $600 in that TV, and that's what I got. The second thing is we had, you know, decent furniture. Well, when the kids started piling in, we had homeless kids sleeping on the floor. We had kids who were getting out of gang, kids who wanted to go back to school. And it turned into 75 kids in our apartment, and he was like, what are you doing? And I couldn't even tell him what I was doing because I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I knew was that I had to do it. And I knew that I was being guided by a power that was more than I than I could ever be. I, I, I didn't get it myself. Why were these kids even trusting me? 
a lot of these kids didn't know me or my husband or, you know, they come into a strange house for help in their community. Yeah. You know that had to be God. Diane Latiker is our guest, uh, Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. She's our guest, and you can win the book at WFIL.com on the contest and surveys page. Go for that at WFIL.com. Keep our conversation going in just a moment. WFIL, listen to the Tim DeMoss Show today. Thanks for tuning in. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 423 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Just a couple quick thank yous in our partnership with Transworld Radio. Uh, just heard from Nancy in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Picking up the cost of two radios. Barbara and Lansdale did two radios. And Alana and Philly did half a radio. All told, that gives us 31. And since we're into the 30s now, a bonus has been added to 32. Plus, we had six from a separate one. So, 38 radios out of the, about 150 or 155 we weren't trying to get to. So, thank you. We're making the march toward that goal. They're wind-up radios that don't have to be plugged in, which is perfect. Uh, some in Africa do not have that access, and we're glad to provide that. If you want to help out and join these folks who have just helped out, Nancy and Barbara and Alana, it's 888-988-5656. 888-988-5656. Each radio is $50 and includes all the costs associated with it. Thanks again to everyone who's helped out so far. You can also help out online, WFIL.com. Our guest today, Diane Latiker. The book, Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. You talked about uh, before the break, a little bit, uh, on, and you put this in the book, about you know, some of the tension uh, you and your uh, husband had. And um, how did you handle that? How did you guys work through that? Because if it was me, if it was happening, I'd want, I mean, it even comes through. Your husband shares, and you share, I mean, you share about how he, um, there's a part of the book where he warms up to the whole thing and actually thr- thrives in the opportunity to mentor these kids. But but th- that's a real tension because it can be in, in any marriage. It can be someone, you know, wife has one vision, husband has another one, and they don't share the same thing. H- how did that work for you guys just as, as part of the story and, and over time? Well, I attribute that to God, too, because I just kept – I well. In the, in the arguments, and we had some fiery arguments. Yeah. Because he was right in a lot of things. All these kids had came in, bombarded our house. We didn't know most of them. They were in the refrigerator. We had one bedroom left, and that's all he had. The rest of the house was taken over. Yeah. Our furniture was tore up. We had to throw some of it out in the garbage. And everything he was saying was right. But I couldn't stop. And I, I, I just asked him, you know, you're going to support me. I saw him start to lighten up with the kids with singing. Um, and yeah. <laughs> next thing I know, he's singing with them. And all of a sudden, you know, he's just like, I'm supporting you 100%. Hmm. I don't know what we're doing, but I'm going to support you. <laughs> yeah. Diane Latiker is our guest. The book is Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. People like stories, Diane, and you had in, in the book, Many stories of kids coming and going. Uh, so there was one, um, I think in chapter eight, there was a young man named Corey who was a singer. And um, yeah. and how you tried to reach him through whatever means you could. And all the kids, if they had a gift, to try to encourage them to, to latch on to that. And his was singing. 
And you had talk, tell that story, if you would, and the perseverance you had trying to reach him and how he would not come to the appointments and why. I mean, it's really fascinating to think, despite all those efforts, and what it was like for you, because his story, I'm sure, is not, not isolated. No, it's not, and it was frustrating. And um, the first day he walked in my door, the kid said, oh, my God, because <laughs> the kid knew him from school. And yeah. he was a heavyset kid, and so his defense was always to score on the kids, you know, do the dozens on the kids. Okay. And but anyway, they told me, Miss Honey, you should make him sing. And I said, Sing me something. And he started to sing and then his voice came out. And so I, I said, Wow, you are amazing. And so I started working with him on that while working with him in school too, so he'd get his grades up because yeah. he was failing. And we got him to a point where we could like people were really interested in him. I was taking all kind of talent shows and go see producers and and his mom and father, they didn't like it. And they felt that I was trying to take over or something. We got dealt with that a lot. Hmm. A lot of moms were taking their kids out, the boys out, because the boys would go home and go, Miss Diane told us this. Miss Diane told us that. And I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm just a support for your family. I'm not um, who tells you what to do. I'm just trying to help. And that's what happened with Corey's family. They decided that he he was a great singer and that they were they were gonna do it and they took him out of the program and they took him to other places and I didn't see him for a while and then finally he came back after months. He came back I tried to explain to his mom, you know, that I was just trying to help. And he had got all these great interviews and he wouldn't show up. And I found out it was because of his father and his mother. Um, they felt some kind of way. I don't know if they thought I was trying to take advantage of him or what was going on, but, sure. you know, I, I don't know what it was. I was just trying to give him an outlet so he would not let the streets get him. Yeah. And I knew he loved to sing, so that was his thing. And I was trying to hang on to that, but it was seen as another way, and, boy, it was frustrating at times. And Latiker, our guest, Kids Off the Block, is the book, the inspiring true story of one of... Uh, one woman's quest, I should say, to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. We have a quick break to take. We'll keep our conversation rolling. Feel free in the meantime to go to WFL.com on the contest and surveys page and get entered to win a copy. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thank you for listening in today. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM 560, WFIL.com, on the WFIL app and at radio.com. It's 431, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in. A cloudy rest of the afternoon, a little sun maybe poking through. 76 to high, down to 60 tonight. Kind of cloudy again tomorrow, and as with today, a little sun perhaps poking through. 75 to high. Dodgers in Tampa Bay playing game two of the World Series tonight at 8.08. Dodgers took the opener last night, 8-3. Eagles home tomorrow night against the Giants at 8.20. And where were you 40 years ago today? I was in the nosebleed section, the 700 level at the vet with my dad, watching Tug McGraw strike out Willie Wilson to win the World Series. As a 12-year-old, nothing better. Four games to two, the Phils won that series. P.S. I'm working on getting a member or two from that team on the show sometime soon to reminisce a bit. But for today, we keep our conversation going, and gladly so, with Diane Latiker from Chicago. Kids Off the Block is the book, the inspiring true story 
of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. It's a really amazing story in a lot of fronts. And uh, not just because of what was going on around you, but also what was going on inside you, right, Dan? I mean, God was doing some work, a lot of work, both outwardly but also inwardly. That's right, because I'm a flawed individual. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got my own insecurities. I got I got things going, going on inside my own mind and my own aura atmosphere. And, you know, and then I'm trying to help all these kids and deal with their families at the same time and deal with the violence and deal with... Um, their teachers and beans and it, it was so, and then trying to deal with my neighbors who were calling the police on us yeah. because there was so many kids in and out all day and night. Yeah. And then I got to deal with the gang leaders who didn't like it at all. You know, uh, that the kids were trying to get out of gangs. So it was just, God had to work with me because I was coming in every day. Why are they not helping? I was crying to my mom, to my husband. Why don't people like these kids? Why don't they love them? Why don't they help them? You know, and my mom said, Diane, God gave it to you. He didn't give it to them. You cannot expect them to feel like you do. And that kind of shut me up. Hmm. And that kind of made me keep going. You know, one of the chapters is called Headstones. And um, you kind of, a lot of things have been happening even this year across the country. There have been marches and there are different things going on. But I think in the book, you, you kind of were like, okay, marches is all right. But really, let's do something uh, bigger than that, um, partly because including uh, wanting people to invest in the neighborhood for a, a bigger, longer term change. And I think that's where the save a teen, do something phrase popped up uh, in the book. Yeah. Uh, talk about that memorial, because the initial memorial, I think, had seven stones and eventually had hundreds of them. It's a heavy topic, but at the same time, a very powerful one. So the the stones came to mind because one of the young people that my daughter Aisha went to school with uh, he was murdered. He was 16 years old, honor roll student, and he was on a bus coming home from school, and a 14-year-old got on the bus and sprayed the bus and killed him. Mm -hmm. And we were both upset. We cried for a whole day. And I was at this store, and I saw these stones, and they looked like small headstones, and I only had enough money to buy 30 of them. Well, in the meantime, I had people calling me, let's march, let's rally. Let's go do this. No, 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 no. <laughs> that wasn't working. We need to do something different. I wanted to do something tangible that people could see we were losing a generation to violence. And so I bought those stones. I asked this friend of mine to put the names and the date they were killed on the stones, 24 years and down. And his name was the first that went up. And we rebuilt this memorial 15 times. And it's almost 800 stones in there now, and we're almost 600 behind. We can never keep up. Yeah. It's quite a labor of love and ongoing. I mean, some of the stuff, uh, folks just tuning in, uh, Diane Latiker is our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth is the book we're talking about. We're actually giving it away on our website on the contest and surveys page to help yourself to get entered to win a copy. It really has, you know, we could have you on for a long time sharing about all kinds of aspects because there's many twists and turns to the story. But I just recommend folks get a chance to read it because there's a lot to learn. A lot of, a lot of multiple, multiple lessons, if you will, are going on at the same time. There's actually the story of you helping and, and, and as the organization started to grow, 
but there's a lot of personal things happening, individual stories and, and what God did in, in your life and your husband's life and your community's lives. Um, so anyhow, I, uh, you mentioned uh, as the book goes on, just reading through um, and we're in election time now, too. Uh, chapter 11 is called Hope and Change. And President Obama, actually, I think you, you mentioned in the book he got his start some or at least used to be in the community at times at some of the, the church and community events. Is that right? He was a community organizer in my community. Wow. So I, I know the book does not focus directly on that. It's not a political book per se. But there's that you do talk about uh, as as that election was approaching, that it was another step uh, having a President Obama in the mix um, and possibly running, you know, running for the president and possibly winning, that the kids started to take more attention. And it and it um, it was like a like how voting can actually matter, like really pertain, really connected with them. That that's part of the development of the community. Yes, I was so honored that we were able to take 21 young people who had never voted in their lives. They were now able to vote. We took them to uh, the inaugural, the first inaugural. And uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. We were freezing, but it was amazing. <laughs> um, it, it, it really, like, literally changed their mind about stuff that matters to them in regards to voting. Yeah. Because they, they didn't care before that. They just didn't care. They didn't think it affected them. Yeah. I think you mentioned that. I don't have it in front of me. I have the book, but not the exact page. I think you mentioned one of the kids even said something to the effect of, if they would let a black man in the White House, or did, did, like he thought it was completely detached, like it, that doesn't that that doesn't intersect with my life, because, something like that. I forget what the, what the quote was. Um, I can't think of it myself right now because okay. there's so much in there. <laughs> That's fine, but but that was p- kind of proving the the disconnect, and therefore, simply having someone. But, well, I shouldn't say just simply having someone who's black running for office, but the fact that he was. Uh, familiar with the area there, and perhaps you with him. I don't know if you had interacted with him at any community events, uh, but that that also would play into probably some of their interests. It's in a, one of their own, or one in that in their backyard uh, had such a national, you know, opportunity. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, it was it was really like this heightened sense, you know, of of this black man being president. The the the, the thought that it was possible. And these young men who never even thought that any type of political or politician had anything to do with any part of their life, that that was a whole different world from their world. And for them to take an interest in it, um, it was everything. It was everything. And coming from the inauguration, we stayed at uh, Howard University. They hosted us while we were there, which was another big thing. Okay. And um, on the way back, they were like changed young men. It was amazing. Diane Latiker, our guest, the book again called Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. Tons of stories in this book. We can't get to them all, but we'll try and touch on one, maybe one more or two more before we're done here and uh, wrap up our conversation. If you want to win a copy of the book, it's on our contest and surveys page at WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 443 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL, 888 to help out in our partnership with Trans World Radio. We're around 38 radios now, about 122 to go or so. 
Most importantly, $50 covers the cost of one. 888-988-5656. Their wind-up radios don't have to be plugged in. Perfect portability. Help bring the gospel to Africa. $50 covers one. Maybe you can do two or three or five. And every nine we get, the tenth one, we have an anonymous donor willing to chip in for that tenth one and route to our goal. 888-988-5656 or at WFIL.com. As we keep our conversation with Diane Latiker going, Kids Off the Block is the book at WFIL.com. You can win it. Uh, but the story, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. It started with God planting a seed in your heart. Ten kids, including your daughter, in your living room grew to 75 within three months and did become more than an organic situation, became more official on multiple fronts. That's you know allowed, right, over time. Tell us about how things kind of grew from the organic stage. Well, things started to open up in 2006 a little bit when we had our first article. Um, a reporter came out, Jonathan Briggs from the Tribune, and he wrote this story, and it wound up on the second page. And that's when I had just bought this rolling basketball court for $59. And we, me and the boys rolled it across the street and took over this vacant lot across the street yeah. because there was too many kids in the house. <laughs> and so we rolled it over there, and he wrote a story about it. And then a couple of months later, another reporter called, and he wrote another story about how we were trying to combat violence. And then uh, Channel 7 came out, ABC, and did an a interview. and someone you should know and God just started opening up some doors at that point, you know, to get everybody to know that there are people out here that's trying to stop the violence, give young people positive alternatives, and that this was real. This was nothing that uh, was started with a million dollars, with a big building, uh, with seven degrees. It was people in their community who saw a need and decided to try to do something about it. Yeah. And that was it. It was just that simple. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it, I think, right? I mean, it, it wasn't, as it mentioned earlier, it was not a, a big goal. Goals can be good. It's not that it's bad if it was a goal. But it's something extra special, I think, about just how it all unfolded, uh, especially because the kids came to you and wanted, you know, one after they the other, it. right? Yeah, they wanted help. Yeah. What did so, you... I'm so glad we were able to. <laughs> well, at, yes. And, Diane, so, so think of it uh, this way, too. What did you learn or you know, maybe who you already were as a person as, as things started for those just tuning in, uh, the, the ministry that you had and, and the work that you had with Kids Off the Block in, in a kind of a tangible way started where you went out in your front porch, called your daughter in and she had a bunch of her friends and they came inside and you, you started taking a proactive interest in their lives even more than you had before. You certainly knew them. And then they opened up one day. It turned into a long meeting, and I think even in the book you said the next day they all showed up after having opened yeah. their hearts for four hours the night before. You're like, what are you guys doing here? You you want to come in again? And they did, right? So it grew from that, a group of 10, to 75 within three months, and then a much larger you know, platform than that over time. But what have you learned um, about how to love people and and – things that you, you know, honestly do over again, but stuff you had to learn and stuff that you really feel like all the way through, this was just the right way to do things. I learned that God loves us all, that the children are the most precious part of all my being and that we have to treat them as such. And I learned that God drawed us through love and kindness. 
And that's how we had to do young people. Now, I'm not saying they don't need discipline. We all do. I still need discipline. But in that discipline, love has to come before that word and care. And I learned that I can do this because God blessed me to do this. I do this because of him. I do this because he said I should. I do this because he got me to listen. Instead of Diane Latiker making decisions and saying, oh, no, 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 I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. I know this is his plan. And so I listened, and I still listen. After 17 years, I still take my time and try to listen to which way God wants me to go with this organization. And people will say, well, why do you keep doing it? You can move out. You don't have to stay in that violent place. No, but I do, because now we got the, the kids that were young, when their brothers and cousins was in the organization, now they're coming up, and they know we're here. Hmm. They know this safe place is this. You know, and God fixed it that way. Yeah, there's some there's something I love about that. I mean, it, it is that longevity, and as you see another generation come up, uh, that must be an amazing thing. You know, um, it what? is. It is. <laughs> yeah. How how are things going? Like even I would think sometimes in the book you describe some of the kids in a way would take some leadership unofficially. They they come out of their shells perhaps, and maybe they'd be hard cases for weeks or months. And then they'd break break down or break open, and you loved them through and took wisdom how to struggle through that, whether you had to love them hard or leave them alone. But but then they would come out, and then sometimes they would take charge of something and, and lead the way. And so, you know, there's all of those things going on. How, how are things now with, with uh, in, in the neighborhood, and, and how is the ministry, you know, going? Well, it's going good considering we're in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we're a physical organization. We're normally in young people's spaces. They actually are in our home yeah. every day. But because of the pandemic, they cannot be. But what we did, my husband and I, we pivoted. We took our old raggedy van and we started taking them food, them and their families. We take them food. We take them masks, gloves, sanitizer, clothes, whatever we can find or whoever donates stuff. We take it to them. And we make sure we keep up with them, their needs, and, you know, whatever we can. The same thing we did when we first started. We listen, and we see what they need, and we see what we can bring to them and help them and drop it off. Or they'll inbox me on Facebook or Instagram. And, Miss Diane, we, we don't have it. And I'll try to find it for them. And the, the work continues. But it's just that we had to pivot and make sure we do it safely. You know, Diane, what I like a lot about your story, uh, Kids Off the Block, is is the fact that you were willing to listen to God. The, the, the book is equal parts, God working in your life uh, and you serving in the moment rather than having to have all of your ducks in a row before you do anything at all. And rather, much of the time, it was more, all right, here's a new situation I haven't seen before. Now what do I do? And God yeah. gave me the courage to just dive in rather than uh, pull off to the side of the road and and be quiet for a long, long time. You know, you just were willing to and continue to. It sounds like let God take the next thing. All right, we're going to do this now. That word pivot is probably a really good word. That's right. That's faith, right? That's faith, Tim. Yeah. That's that's our faith. What, what, what does that scripture say? The, the size of a mustard seed? Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
mustard seed. And my wife would remind me to keep open. I'm more of a planner and map it all out. And my wife does some of that. She was a teacher, so she knows yeah. about lesson planning. But at the same time, she's been much more about let's listen to the Spirit of God today and all throughout yeah. the day because don't get too married to everything you're, you've you already thought out through because he may have other plans you know, partway through or all the time. So keep in step with him. That's right. And I, we've been like that, too. We planned stuff. And God unplanned it seriously, he did. Because he, he put us the other way because he knew that would work better. And we realized, me and my husband, that his plan is better than ours. <laughs> yeah. It just is. Yeah. I like what he uh, you wrote about him, where as he was taking to the kids that were coming to your home, how he would get his tools out and he would offer to help with repairs at their respective homes and all that, but only if they were willing to learn. So he wasn't just going and... Yeah fixing it for him. He's like, you got to learn. I'm not going to just do this for free. And you just keep calling me like I'm your handyman. You got to pick up some <laughs> skills. So that's right. He of... still does that too. Really? Yes, he does. I love him for that. <laughs> so Diane, tell, uh, tell me, maybe we can wrap up our time um, as folks listen in and they can listen to the podcast, the program too, uh, to, to hear more of the story and certainly read the book kids off the block. Um, when people are considering, or I don't know, uh, how you might encourage others who are listening, uh, what they can do in and around the folks that they're with. Uh, you know, there's, every community is going to be different and everybody's abil- abilities and finances and otherwise are going to be different, um, how they grew up and all that. But is there a couple of common things you think that kind of no matter who you are or where you are could apply as far as? Uh, being a blessing in the community you're in and, and even specifically for youth? Definitely. Every Everywhere around us, there are young people that need. And if it's just a kind word, if it's just, are you okay? A smile, anything. And, well, that goes for adults too. We all need encouragement, especially now. And if there's an issue that bothers you in your community or on your block, if you can't physically do anything about it or financially, join somebody that is doing it. Because believe me, if you care about it, somebody else does. Hmm. You just just get out there. Just do something. If you make phone calls, if you call if you call an elder and just see if they're okay, you might not believe it, but God appreciates all that because you cared about somebody besides yourself. You know, Diane, uh, that's a great word, and I and it it reminds me to say something I wanted to say that uh, I, I kind of mentioned during the, our chat. But your book is full of what you just said, lots of things. Uh, whether it's a very small thing you wouldn't think would go very far, or perhaps just it's all you could think of in the moment, and you don't know if it's gonna bear fruit in front of you. I, I really think there's a lot of times people don't do anything at all because they can't see the entire whole thing to fruition. So something as simple right. as calling somebody one time, just checking in on you, how are you? I think sometimes people don't even think that matters because they want to have an official relationship with the person. They want to minister to them every Tuesday at nine. It's like, it's like no, you, you know, each person in front of you may need something very different. And just be okay right. with loving in the moment and let God take each That's of those right. acts of service. 
That's right. That's exactly right. People never forget how you make them feel. I don't care what else you do for them. They never forget how you make them feel. Hmm. Well, I'll I'll let that hang in the air for a minute and <laughs> and think <laughs> on that. I I just think about Diane when I'm driving around, for example, and I think about uh, letting somebody in traffic. I probably have you know five or ten times a day, whatever, uh, to just if if I have a choice to let or to stop sign, let someone go first, and uh, I actually have tangible control over being a blessing, even if I never even speak a word to the person. That's right. Right. So, and and obviously your, the hope is in the end you get to share the Lord with somebody and, and have a full relationship and, and point them to Jesus. But maybe just something small um, will be possible um, in that regard where, where you're doing an, a, a, an initial thing. And, uh, well, let, and that's all. Let so, me leave you with this, Tim. You, you might not think that that does anything that, and that that doesn't lead them to Jesus because you don't have that with them. But you'd be surprised how that leads them to Jesus, that mm. small thing you did, because that gives them hope. And what is God? Hope. Even you stopping for somebody, and they look at you when you stop, and they acknowledge that you have the decency to stop for them. You gave them dignity, but you gave them hope. And what is God? Hope. So you are leading them to God. You're just a, you're just a part of it, though. You're just a part of leaving them there. Yeah. That's good stuff, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for those good words. Thank you. <laughs> Our privilege. <laughs> Greetings to your husband. Keep up the good work. And uh, last thing is, how can people pray for you? Um, please pray that we're able to save lives, decrease violence where we are. Just just please plead the blood over the young people that we serve. That's what I would ask people to do. Will do. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. God bless you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, On our program, Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. Lots of beauty to the story. Part of it, just listen to the podcast if you get a chance. I'll try and post this as soon as I can. Uh, and let you be able to hear through it because there's just lots of twists and turns with it. And it's it, part of it. The, the thing I part I like about it the most is it's it's organic in nature. It really wasn't about Diane planning to do something. Nothing wrong with plans, but she was not trying to do something official and achieve a certain level of anything. Just listening and struggling through and dealing with uh, even having to repent of you know, certain actions or whatever and learning how to work through very hard circumstances and take her best shot, have a sense of humor through it and live by faith and live by God's leading. So uh, again, the contest and surveys page at WFIL.com is where you can win a copy of kids off the block. Thanks so much for listening in. Have a wonderful evening. Jim Max and Max 413 ministries leads in prayer next. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.